Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. today that not everyone has been afforded, but I'm glad that God was kind enough to me, amen, to make provision that I could be in his holy house today. Praise the Lord. My heart is full this morning, and I ask you to pray with me that the hand of the Lord would just be upon our heart and our lives together. I feel um, this morning that I am in a similar spot that I stood a few weeks ago. I do not ever want to put more emphasis on one service or one message than another, but I, but I do feel like the Lord has given me something for our second service, and I want him uh, and I want you to join with me in prayer that God can just touch us. Amen. Uh, that's not to take away anything that we're going to talk about right now, but I just do want you to prepare your hearts if that's all right. Amen. Let God speak to us collectively today. If you have your Bibles, join me in the book of James chapter 1 and verse number 18. James chapter 1, verse number 18. We had a great time of fellowship at our men's fellowship and fish fry on Friday night. And I appreciate everybody who was a part of that. And not only those who were participants, but those who organized that, put it all together, and then cleaned up afterwards. And a good time of fellowship yesterday and just been a full weekend and here we are again today and um, long after the lights are turned out in this assembly this morning and this building this morning the ministries of our church will be still moving so we just have to pray that God will give us all the strength that we need amen the book of James chapter 1 and 18 of of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should that we should be a be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I mean, let me read that again. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And today I want to speak to you on the subject of being born again. Now, if you've been born again of the water and the spirit this morning, I don't want you to fold your arms and sit back and just kind of treat this though it's a train ride through the hills. Amen. Well, let's talk about it again. Amen. And your ability to connect to the truth of God's word can help us create an atmosphere for those who are here this morning who perhaps have not been born again of the water and the spirit and let the truth of God's word touch our lives. Amen. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. In our last study of James, we talked about the good and the perfect gifts of God that cometh down, the scripture says, that cometh down from the Father of lights. And uh, today, um, James goes directly to the greatest of these good and perfect gifts, and that is the gift of the Holy Ghost or the gift of new birth, to be born again. 
Amen. Of his own will, the Bible says, that God begat us, or we were brought forth unto new life by the gift of God. And uh, sadly, I think sometimes people forget that the, that the Holy Ghost is a gift. Amen. That uh, sometimes we act as though God ought to be honored to have us instead of the other way around. We kind of get this. We kind of get this backwards. And of His own will, the Lord begat us. He brought us forth unto new life. He didn't need us. We needed Him. God didn't need me. He wanted me, and He wants you. I'm not being cavalier about that, but but uh, God wanted us, but we needed Him. And today, if we were to just close our Bibles and we were to just pack it all up and say, you know what, I'm never going back to church again. And I'm not saying that heaven would rejoice over that by any stretch of the imagination. But you know what, the kingdom of God would move right on. It would move right on. Am I in the scripture? Amen. If I don't praise him, he said the rocks and the mountains would cry out. And so I want the Lord to know um, you know, when, when the Jews rejected him, he just turned to the Gentiles. Amen. So I'm thankful today that I'm a part of that. And so we're born again. According to scripture, we're born again by water and spirit. And this is accomplished by baptism, by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We are born of the water through baptism. And we are born of the Spirit by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so don't ever let anybody convince you that baptism is not important and that the Holy Ghost is not essential because we gotta be born of the water and we've gotta be born of the Spirit. Amen. This new birth brings us into a brand new life, a brand new life. Amen. It's the life that God had planned. This is the life that... God had purposed for each and every one of us. In verse 15, James told us that our own lust would just simply end in death. Amen. Sin, when it is begotten, is just going to bring forth death. But Paul said in Romans that the gift of God is eternal life. And I'm thankful for that eternal life today. The true gift of God is realized in our lives at that moment that we are born again. And so in this 18th verse, which is, our, uh, which is the crux of our discussion today, in this 18th verse, James answers four questions about this process of new birth. And so I want to take a few minutes today and consider these four things. And so <clears throat> let's consider the very first question when we ask, who does this? Amen. Who, who is it that is the catalyst behind this? The scripture says, of his own will. Of his own will. Amen. The new birth is an act of God. This is not the act of a church. This is not the ideology or the theology of a group of people that just kind of got together one day and said, I know what let's do. Amen. This was the will of God. Amen. Of his own will. Of his own will. And so through his sovereign will, God washes away sin. Through his sovereign will, God grants forgiveness for those sins. And then of his own will, God plants in our heart the seed of hope, the Holy Ghost, new life. We're born again. Amen. I'm grateful for that moment that the old man got rooted out of his position 
and the new man moved in. Now, how many know that we got to keep that old man out of that address now? Amen. He keeps coming back and knocking at the door, and we have to push that old, old nature down and away and let the Spirit of God touch us. And so I say today, that's why we need not let genetics, whatever they may be, rule our life. We need to let the Spirit and the nature of God rule our life. And so whatever we once were and ever how we used to talk, ever how we used to respond to things, that needs to be just that, how we used to do. But we are born again and we have been given a new nature and I realize the job of that may be a little bit more difficult for some than others, but it is a battle. Can I tell you today, it's a battle that can be won and it's a battle that's worth winning. Praise God. People ought to be able to see a difference in us. Well, that's not how the old so-and-so would have responded to that, but I see a marked difference in their life. Praise the Lord. Amen. So through his sovereign will, he plants a new life and gives us a new nature. Amen. Those He gives a new nature to those who obey his plan of salvation. This is a work in progress, friend. It really is a work in progress. God takes up residence in our life through the indwelling of his spirit and by the process of new birth. And there, there's an interesting, uh, at least interesting to me, promise that was prophesied by Ezekiel concerning this new birth or this new character. And so I want to turn your attention there to Ezekiel 36 and 25 for a moment. We're going to read verse 25 and 26. He said, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. Listen what you're clean from. From all your filthiness and from your idols will I cleanse you. From your past, from all of your past will I cleanse you from. I'm going to take away the old man, the old nature. In verse 26, he doesn't, God doesn't just clean out hearts and rooms and lives and then leave them void and empty, but God always places something in there in its stead. He said, and a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Praise God. He doesn't just take away, but he adds to, he puts in. You know, you can tell somebody's spiritual depth when they just talk about the church and they talk about, well, I can't live for God because of all the things you can't do, all the places you can't go, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can tell somebody's spiritual barometer if that's the only thing they're measuring is what they give up. But can I tell you today, when I compare what I have given up to what God has replaced it with, Amen. Then I have to join the Apostle Paul and say, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared, amen, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Friend, I've never given up anything. I've never given up anything that wasn't more than a fair exchange. And as I've often said, you will not have to give up anything to go to heaven that you will not eventually have to give up to go to hell. One day you'll let go of that, Budweiser. Amen, one day you're gonna let go of that. You will, you, yes, you will. One of these days you will let go of that party and lifestyle because it won't be there. It won't be there. So we will not give up one thing, not one thing to go to heaven that we will not eventually have to give up to go to hell. Amen, I wanna just give it up now. 
I don't want the Lord to wrestle that at him, pry that out of my cold, dead finger, so to speak, but I want to relinquish that with an open heart, an open mind. By God's own will, he raises us up and gives us new life. In, in verse number six, or in the first six verses, I should say, of Ephesians 2, we are given some more insight to this process. I'm not going to read all of these scriptures. I've just highlighted some of them, and I'm just going to mention them today. I'll quickly pass through what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church about in, in Ephesians 2. He says things like this, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He said, among whom also we are all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of flesh and the mind, and were by the nature of the children of wrath even as others. But then Paul says, but God... Amen, I like that. But God, amen, this is who we were. This is where we were headed. This, this was the luggage and the baggage that we had in our life. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Amen, the grace of God. Who can measure grace? Who could weigh mercy and come away and realize without coming away and realizing that the spirit and the power of God has given so much and placed so much in our life. I'm thankful for being born again today. Amen. The scripture says he raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for those heavenly places, aren't you? Amen. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's what the apostle Paul said. And so the only way we could be raised from this condition of being dead was by God's will, by God's will. Now here's why, because the dead have no awareness. Amen, the dead have no understanding. If we were dead in trespasses and sins, it's not an arbitrary thing that Paul used the term dead. Amen, the dead have no awareness or the dead would have no understanding of sin. And so if you don't have an understanding of sin, then you have no desire to turn from it are no power or resource to change if we wanted to because we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Amen, before the new birth, we were dead in those trespasses and sins. The only way we could be given life was by the sovereign will of God. He is the source and he is the giver of spiritual life. I don't ever wanna get over receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't ever want to get over repenting. I don't ever want to get over being baptized in his name. I don't ever want to forget and, and get over the power of my sins being remitted by the authority of his powerful name. Amen. Am I alone here today when I, when I, when I ask you, do you remember what it was like to have that weight and the guilt of sin lifted from your life? Oh my, 
Oh my, amen, that guilt, that guilt, amen, to be lifted off of your life. I'm so thankful for that. And so I don't want to ever forget that. I hope not to just sound redundant or be redundant for redundancy's sake today, but I just can't say it often enough that we should never get over the awe of being in the presence of the Lord. As we begin to magnify the Lord a moment ago in song and begin to feel the presence of the Lord, I don't want to just say, well, you know, I feel him, but he ought to be here. He owes it to me to be here. He said in his word he would be here. I don't want to have that kind of spirit and attitude, but I want to be so eternally thankful and grateful that he reached beyond the flaws of me. And hear me this morning, I've got a lot of flaws. I'm eminently aware of many of them. Amen, I've got a lot of flaws, but I'm thankful that he looked beyond the flaws of me. Amen, and he moved in my life and my heart again today. I felt his presence, I felt that, and I don't wanna get over the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of that. Praise God. Can we just lift our hands together and thank him for that right now? Oh, Lord, I love you for baptizing me with your spirit, filling me, God, with your power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the authority of your presence in, your, in my life and for forgiving me of my sins, for touching us, Lord. Hallelujah. In this holy house, we want to give you praise and we want to give you recognition today, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I know that it has often been said, but in an, in an atmosphere, and I'm not being critical today, but I'm being honest, in an atmosphere, in a building filled with people uh, that predominantly understand the power of the Holy Ghost, if we ought to be admonished, if anything ought to have to be, if someone should have to admonish us to do anything, it ought to be to be quiet. Amen. Settle down. Amen. Sit down. We got to we need to move on to the next order of the service. No one under any circumstance. I understand our culture. I understand how we do things and I'm not being critical, but I'm being honest when I tell you that no one should ever have to beg us to praise the Lord. No one should ever have to come on now. 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 No one should ever, how must God feel? How must God feel? Amen, if, if our praise and our worship is only the after effect of someone prodding and poking and pushing and shaming, oh, how must God feel? Amen. I understand that when my wife says, I love you, that the intended response or the response she intends to hear is I love you too. But every now and then, she ought to hear that without having to be baiting the trap. Amen? Trap was probably a poor word. I'll just keep looking this way right now if you don't mind. Probably a... But she shouldn't always have to set up the system in order just to hear that. And so we shouldn't always just have to set up the system in order for there to be uh, an unrestricted praise and worship 
Amen. We shouldn't have to bait the situation, set up some circumstance where there's an automatic following of that. I say, Lord, God, I thank you for being born again. I thank you, Lord, when I see men my age, hear me today, when I see men my age and I see how far sin has taken them and what sin has done to their life and what sin has done to their family. I'm gonna tell you just scarcely over 12 hours ago, my wife and I were sitting in our home talking about, amen, how blessed we are of God. Amen, I'm not talking about because of natural things and tangible things that we look around, but just how good God has been to us. Amen, there's scars, you hear me today. Amen, we've got scars and we've got wounds and we've got things that we have to deal with every day in our life and things that we'll have to deal with in our future unless God changes that. But you know what? I still have to say I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I, when I, when I wake up in the morning until I lay my head to rest, I just want the world to know and I want heaven to know. I want my Jesus to know. (laughs) Oh, I'm so blessed because I've been born again of the water and of the spirit. Praise God. Praise God. (laughs) No child has ever been born into this world by its own will or by its own plan. But it was conception and gestation and birth, amen, all of those things completely out of its consciousness, out of its control. A child is just merely the passive recipient of the will and the actions of its parents. Didn't get a vote in that, amen. They had no conscience in that, had no control over that. They're just the passive recipient of both the will and the actions of the parents and just as certainly no person wills much less create spiritual nature within themselves. Amen, before we ever reached out to God, he was reaching out for us. (laughs) Hallelujah. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you thankful today that his hand could reach further? As the songwriter said, his hand could reach further down than I could reach up. Before I even knew to reach out for him, he was reaching for me. Before I had a conscious, a God consciousness, amen, he had a Steve consciousness. Praise God, and I'm thankful for that. And so before we reach out to him, he was reaching out to us. And long before we ever walked into church, God was pulling, he was tugging, he was, amen, he was reaching this way. Jeremiah asked a stunning question. He said, can the Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard his spots? Then also you can do good to, to uh, who are accustomed to do evil. I mean, there's two things to consider here. Not only can the nature or the natural man not change himself, but apart from God's revelation, they can't even know that they need change. And so here is my prayer when we have church on Sunday and on Wednesday and any other time that we gather together. Lord, let the spirit of conviction flow so freely through this congregation. Amen, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pastor for 30 seconds here and tell you that we have no hope for conviction touching the heart of sinners if conviction can't first touch the heart of saints. Amen. 
I'm not talking about living under the spirit of condemnation where somebody's beating us over the head, but we need the spirit of conviction to touch our heart. I'm not going here. Amen, I'm not going there. I'm not gonna tune my life into this or that because the spirit of the Lord is convicting me, drawing me back over here. But if we who are claiming to be born again of water and spirit have no convictions in our heart, then it is doubtful that conviction is gonna flow freely in our congregation. I've said it so many times through the years, not as a boast, I hope you don't take it wrong, but I don't know how many miles I have walked in this very building with an anointing oil in my hand, anointing the end of every pew, kneeling at many of them and saying, Lord, you have no, I have no idea who's gonna be sitting on this seat, but you do. I have no idea what need is gonna be sitting right here, but you do. And so long before they pull into the parking lot, and long before all the lights of this holy house are on, I'm asking God for Holy Ghost conviction. Let it settle in this place. Amen, let somebody walk in here with sin in their heart. Amen, I'm not talking about being condemned and beat up, but I let them feel something in their heart that burns so hot that they say, I've gotta do something about this. I've gotta do something about this. Why? Because apart from that moment of revelation, no one will change because they don't realize there's a need to change. Amen. So we need the Holy Ghost power of revelation. Amen. In every service, shine the light, Lord. Shine that Holy Ghost light in our midst. Paul said to the Corinthian church, Corinthians 2, 14, but if the natural man receiveth not, the, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. You cannot know these things on your own. We need the Spirit of God to impart this into our life. And so I pray, oh Lord, let the Spirit of impartation, let the light of revelation so shine, oh God, that men can understand, amen, their sinfulness and their wickedness. Praise God. Am I preaching to anybody today, amen, that felt the need in your heart to get to an altar? You thought you would just die, amen, if the preacher didn't stop preaching or the singer didn't stop singing. I just gotta get to an altar. I just gotta pray. I just gotta repent. I just got to do something. Anybody had that experience? I just gotta get right with the Lord, amen. I just gotta get in his presence. I'm not just talking about one time, not just at that initial experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but sometimes there's such a burning in my heart. I just gotta pray. I just gotta get somewhere and pray. I'm thankful for those moments I can come to the church and pray, but I can't always get to the church and pray, but I always wanna be responsive and receptive to the Spirit of God that is trying to draw. Amen. He doesn't just draw one time. He keeps drawing. Praise God. We are all spiritually dead before we're born again. So the only way a spiritually dead person can have spiritual life is to receive it as a gift from God through Jesus Christ. The most, I think probably one of the most beautifully detailed explanations of what we're talking about here today is exampled in the encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Now I think we need to remember that Nicodemus was a devout man. I think it's important to understand that. He was a respected Pharisee. He was a respected teacher of his day. 
In John 3, the Bible says that he came to Jesus and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. And, and uh, that's, that was Nicodemus uh, only made a statement about, not only made a statement about Jesus, but he, he didn't say anything about himself or Nicodemus did not even pose a question to the Lord. He just makes a statement. But the Lord really saw what was on his mind. And the Lord addressed that. In John 3 and 3, look at this scripture, if you will, with me. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you what we need today is we need some good, we need some good Holy Ghost filled men and women that understand the value and the truth of this word. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whoa, brother Boyd, that's really harsh. I mean, you're really drawing a line in the sand. No, no, no. I'm not drawing a line anywhere. Jesus drew the line. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Understandably. Nicodemus was puzzled about this and he asked what may seem like an elementary question but you need to understand that Nicodemus was a devout man, an educated man, a teacher, a respected man among the Pharisees. He was not trying to insult the Lord. He was trying to untangle this statement. Amen. He was trying to untangle this in his mind and so Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born. Nicodemus was confused, literally confused. He was not arguing. He was literally confused. Amen. He was a highly trained teacher. I can't say this enough. Of the Mosaic law, we have to understand. He was not being childish. He was not being argumentative. I need to get to the root of this. Amen. He assumed, as did most Jews, that men please God because he understood the law of Moses. He said he, under, he thought that men pleased God and became right with God just by sheer obedience to the law and no other way. It's just works. That's the only way we can be saved. That's the only way we can do this. He also assumed that whatever was necessary to become right with God had to be done by his own efforts, his own accomplishments, his own goodness. Amen, that's, that's the truth. And a lot of people misunderstand a church that preaches holiness and separation today because they think we're trying to be saved by our works and nothing could be further from the truth. Amen, I'm not abstaining from sin to be saved. Amen, I am abstaining from sin because I am saved. Amen. I'm not trying to clearly dress like a man we're not asking our ladies to clearly dress like a lady in order to get saved, but we're asking you to do that because you are the vessel, the temple of a holy and a living God. Amen. We're not doing this in order to be saved. We're doing this because we are saved. Amen. I'm not staying true to my wife in order to be married. I'm staying true to my wife because I am married. I'm staying true to my son because I'm a father. 
Amen. There, there are certain roles and responsibilities that come with that as an end result. And so he, he, he was trying to find out why are we doing what we're doing. Amen. He assumed that it would only be done by him. He could only do this through his own strength. So his question was, in effect, how can I make myself reborn? Amen. How can I earn this new life? He is almost putting himself, I know I'm, I'm reaching here, but I'm just trying to make an illustration. He was almost putting himself in the same position that Simon was putting this. How much do I have to pay to do this? What can I do to, to be born again? How can, I, how can I make myself born again myself? Or how can I create this new life for myself? Jesus went on to explain in John 3, 5, and 8. Amen, here it is again. Jesus answered and said, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water, amen, baptism, except he is born of the Spirit, amen, the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Amen, that which is born of flesh, is flesh, amen, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again, and listen, he said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, or whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the spirit, the spirit of God sovereignly moves where he wills, and he gives new life, new birth to those who call upon him. And so those who are born again of the water and of the spirit, this is just talking about more than just something we do with our mouth. I'm not being unkind, but I have a mandate on my life today. Amen. This is not just talking about a confession. This is not talking about repeating a sinner's prayer. This is not talking about just putting your name on a church membership roll somewhere. Amen. I'm talking about a personal relationship with the Lord. This is obedience to the word of God, amen, that results both in baptism by water and in baptism by the Spirit. And so the source of new life was not within the power of Nicodemus to do himself. The power came from God through his Holy Spirit. By his will, he saves us. How? As we obey his word. He doesn't just save a few. He doesn't just save a select few or a handful here, a handful there, whosoever will. Amen, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Can I tell you, you haven't been so bad that God can't turn your life around. You haven't gone so far that God can't reach down where you are today. Amen, that salvation results in us a change. Can you say change? Praise God, change, change. We are given a new life. We're given a new character as we are born again. Praise God. And I'm gonna tell you, the longer we are born again, the longer we are in the body of Christ, the longer we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen, get ready. I'm fixing to pop you on the nose right now. Amen, the longer we've had the Holy Ghost, the more change there ought to be in our life, the more evidence of his spirit there ought to be in, in our life. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm telling you today that your wife ought to wake up with a new husband every day. And I hope you know what I'm talking about. Amen. And your husband ought to wake up with a new wife every day. Praise God. If you misunderstood what I just said, we just divided our church by a hundred times. Amen. If you misunderstood me, please see me after church. Amen. But there ought to be something that you say in my husband. I see a difference about him when he comes out of that prayer room. I see a difference about him 
when he closes his Bible. I see something different in him. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in my heart here today. Amen. There are to be marked differences in us. There are to be marked differences in us. Amen. I'm going to tell you it ought, it's true and it ought to be true that I'm married to a much more spiritual woman today than I was 37 years ago. And she wasn't some carly minded, worldly minded young lady. He, she had her eyes fixed on the Lord. But the longer her eyes have been fixed on the Lord, the closer to God she has become. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And those benefits come to me day by day by day by day. And I can only pray that that is reciprocal. That she sees something in me every week or every month or every now and then. She sees I see some growth in him. Amen. He's becoming more like the Lord. He wouldn't have responded to that like that years ago. But God is doing a work in his life. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. God give us. Oh, hallelujah. This is why, this is why I asked you a while ago, if you're already born again, please don't pick up a magazine in front of you and start reading as though you've already heard it. I'm gonna tell you that when we're born again, we ought to be changing every day. We ought to be reaching every meeting we go to. Hallelujah. 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 Everything that we go to to help ourselves, whether that's ladies' conference, men's conference, youth camps, whatever it may be, it ought to be. That ought to be that ought to be instigating some change in us. Some change in us. Praise God, because we've been born. We've been born again. Praise God. Amen. Well, I'm on question number two. But I promise I will move faster. Praise the Lord. Some people ask her, what is it? Verse 18, James answered, it's that begatting. He begat us. I know that's a little too much King James for some, but I know the version of the says that he brought us forth. In other words, he gave birth to us. Sin gives birth to death, but now we find that God gives birth to spiritual life. It's a gift of God. It results in eternal life, and it's accomplished by God's power alone. New birth is experienced by anybody that turns to God in obedience to the word. You know, we just came through our, a couple of weeks ago, our youngest camp, campers season, Nine, 10-year-old, 11, 12-year-old. I don't remember uh, one of those weeks, 30 received the Holy Ghost. Do you remember the other? 50, 50 altogether in those two weeks of nine to 12-year-olds that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you ever doubt the validity of baptism of the Holy Ghost being evidence with speaking with other tongues, go to Sunday school camp. If you think I'm kidding, I'm not kidding at all. I'm not trying to sound catty. I'm not trying to do anything. 
when you see those innocent children just walk down there, and I understand, I get it, that they have got nowhere near the baggage that some of us as adults have got. And so there's a lot of innocency and a lot of purity. And as I said a few weeks ago, the journey from Mount Olive to Jerusalem is not quite so far because they just haven't got their lives tangled up with so many things. But I'm gonna tell you, when they just lift those hands and begin to pray and tears begin to flow down their eyes, nobody's in their ears saying, say ta-ta-ta, say da-da-da, say this, say that, nobody, amen but they just begin to lift their hands and the Holy Ghost begins to move in them and they begin to speak in that heavenly language. Oh, it just, I'm gonna tell you, every time I see it, it just drives it home again. I'm gonna tell you this morning, I'm 55 years old and I have never gotten over watching somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, especially those who know nothing about it. Amen, they just come innocently. Amen, and so it is truly whosoever will it is whosoever will. I like what Brother Feld said uh, last Sunday or when he was here when he said that we need to be seeking the Holy Ghost and not tongues necessarily. I, I understood what he was saying. Amen. We understand that's a gift. It will come. Amen. That, it, it's a part of it. I'm telling you, it's like the old timers. When I was growing up, you say this, you can't buy a pair of shoes without tongues. They just come with it. <laughs> Those old timers, they could write a commentary on the entire New Testament and use just the legal pad on the front back of one sheet. It was just kind of plain, just to the, to the point. <laughs> Amen. I must hurry. This is faith and obedience. Amen. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. It's inseparably linked. Faith and obedience. If you believe, you must act. Praise the Lord. Salvation is based on more than just some kind of mental assent. We need to watch the catchphrases of our society today because the church is being lured to sleep by all this nonsense. Amen. Praise God. I'm trying to decide whether to mess with that or not. <laughs> I got too far to go, but anyway, we you know we don't need to get caught up in, in in all that. There's spirits behind some of that stuff. Amen. We just need to stay in the Word of God. Salvation is not based on just some mental ascent somewhere. It's accomplished in your heart by God as we obey the Word of the Lord. Amen. It's not something you do. It's something that God does to demonstrate and to honor our faith. And so. Amen, how do we know this happens? Let's go back to the story of Nicodemus one time real quickly. The wind blows where it listeth or the wind blows where it wishes. And the scripture says you hear the sound of it but you don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Now, I, I, I want you to hear me. He said it's like the wind. It blows where it wants to but you can hear the sound Every time this new birth happened in Scripture, you know what happened? They spoke with other tongues. You heard the sound. Amen. The sound of the Spirit gave the utterance. Not as men taught them. Amen. As the Spirit gave, it's like the wind. You can hear the sound. You know it's there. He answers another question. How does it happen? He said it is the word of truth. That's how it happens. It's by literally the truth's word. Amen. The word of God by Scriptures. And so that's why we don't need just speakers in our pulpits. We don't need entertainers in our pulpits. Amen. I think we should be as polished as we possibly can. And please don't make me go back and reiterate all this stuff. 
I think you should know by now what we are, are expecting and want as far as presentation, but we don't need entertainers and we don't need pulpiteers. Amen. We don't need somebody to just get up here and draw a lot of attention to themselves. This morning, if I could ask you, I would ask you to close your eyes. This morning, if it would be appropriate, I would blindfold everybody that walked in this house because I don't want you to see me. Amen. I don't want you to even really hear me. Don't hear Steve. What I want you to hear is the truth of God's word because the truth, amen, by the word of truth, by the power of God, amen, that's where we are and that's what we have, amen. I'm gonna have to... I'm going to have to skip ahead here on some of this. Amen. The word of truth, that's what's going to save our soul. Amen. So I, I would say this in addition to my other comments today, that please, please, please understand that you do not, no matter how much you think you do at times, you do not want a preacher that will just stand behind the desk and tell you what you think you want to hear. Praise God. I want to say something here, and I want you to receive it in the spirit. I'm not planning to say this, but I want to say something here. I'm not asking for sympathy. Please, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. But I know what it's like to walk away from this church and go home and feel like the enemy. Amen. Because when you're standing for something and when you're standing against something, I'm pushing one way. But don't be so foolish as not to think somebody's pushing back the other way. And I don't want to get in my second service, second sermon, but no matter where you draw the line, Wherever you draw the line, that is the place where the battle begins. So you say, well, just move the line a little bit and give us a little bit of freedom. Give us a little bit of, okay, well, we'd only have freedom for just a little while. You know why? Because once we got migrated over to the line, the line would be a battle again. Because it is in the nature of man to migrate away from God. And so that's why I covet your prayer. I, tr I don't talk about all this stuff a whole lot, but I covet your prayer because the Lord said to, no, to Moses, he said, Moses, you set the border round about the mountain because the day the children of Israel touch the mountain, that's the day they're going to die. And so you ought to pray that God would touch me. If I'm your pastor, amen, you ought to pray that God would touch me to know where to put the border, where to put the line. Amen. I promise you, I promise you this is something that I take serious. Amen, I don't want to be too far this way or too far that way. I try, Lord, help me to find moderation and balance. And, but I want to tell you, some of the things we're flirting with as a church is dangerous. Amen, some of the places we're looking, it's dangerous. It's going to lead to death and destruction. It's not going to work, friend. It's not going to work. Amen, the only way I know how to deal with it is to just preach, just preach the truth. I have this much confidence in the preached word of God. Amen, I can't change people. I can't, I've said many times, I'm not gonna crawl around in your heads at night to see what you're doing on Tuesday and on Thursday. Amen, we gotta just preach the word and let that word find a place in my heart. Let the word touch my heart. Let the word touch my life. I'm gonna tell you, if the word can open blind, 
blinded eyes and if the word can touch the heart of a sinner, the word sure ought to be able to touch the heart of saints. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we need somebody to preach truth to us because the word of truth is a vehicle by which we're born again. Amen. And then the, the fourth thing that Paul that uh, James answered is why. Why? He said that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Finally, James explains why we are born again. And if our musicians would come. And he explains why God saves us. Although salvation is the greatest possible blessing as a human being we can receive, its primary purpose is not just to benefit our flesh. Mm -mm. Not to benefit man. Its primary purpose is to fulfill God's sovereign purpose of believers. Becoming. Stay focused on me now. Its primary purpose is not to benefit man, but the primary purpose is to fulfill God's servant purpose by believers becoming what James says, the first fruits among his creatures. First fruits. When you see that term first fruits, man, that you ought to always pause right there. First fruits, that's significant. Amen. Because the first fruits were the first, the best. This is it, the ultimate. Amen. They, the first fruits were generally an indicator of what the rest of the crop is going to be like. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I got one close to me. Am I pretty accurate here? The first fruit. You can tell a lot by that first fruit, this, how this is all going to pan out, how this is going to come out. Amen. So a farmer would be inclined to take that early harvest and store it away. Let's put this up in case a disease comes, in case something happens and we'll have seed for next year's crop. What if a drought comes? What if some sort of calamity comes? We better take this first root and put it up. And But the Lord said, I want that for me. Amen, because this is the best. That's what we're gonna offer. And so first roots refer to that choice portion. This is what belongs to God. The bottom line of James 1.18 is this, that we are saved by the will of God when we obey the word of God for the glory of God. And so today, if you need salvation, we need to remember this, that no man can earn it and no man can give it and no man has ever been good enough for it. We're not saved by our own good works, but we are saved by the will of God. God calls us and God redeems us and we are washed by his blood. We are filled by his spirit. I mean, it's no great mystery as to how this happens. It happens when we obey the word of the Lord. Then Peter said unto them, amen, watch this, Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Remember Jesus' words to Nicodemus unless you're born of the water and the spirit. Amen, you cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born again. We must be born again. This is not something to be passive about. This is not something to do if you get time. This is not something maybe you look into when you get a few extra spare minutes. No, no, no. Today is a day of salvation. Today. Amen. Let's stand across this building, if you will. And I wonder if we could just lift up our hands and if we could just magnify the Lord. Let me tell you, I don't believe that you can preach truth, teach truth, truth, sing about truth. 
even without there being some manifestation of that in our midst. Praise God. And so why don't we magnify the Lord now in song. Praise his holy and righteous name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.